right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Warning Track Talk podcast with your host, Dave and Dave. And the Phillies played a homestand versus the St. Louis Cardinals in a three-game set, and they ended up taking games one and three, playing some good baseball as of late with the lineup having some thump in it throughout the lineup. The bats have been swinging it, and the pitching, for the most part, has gotten the job done. Um, aside from any of the baseball news, Dave, um, let's give a shout out to our Twitter real quick. We usually do it at the end of an episode, but I feel like um, it's always better to do it at the beginning just for uh, the people listening who aren't able to get through it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at WTT underscore podcast. Like I said, on Twitter at WTT underscore podcast. We post a bunch of polls, a bunch of different stuff from um, updates on our episodes and our content to the polls and different opinions and comments and stuff like that and different little updates, Dave. Um, but overall, do you have anything to add to, um, you know, the series or your thoughts overall of the series or anything on the Twitter? Well, definitely check out our Twitter, as you said, Dave. Uh, we've been trying to be a little bit more active over there. If there's any big news, we'll do our best to kind of share it over there. Um, so make sure, like I said, and we also updated everybody because we're recording this technically a day later. We usually do it at the end of the series, like the next day when the series is over. Uh, but yesterday, uh, we had, uh, you know, celebrated the holiday. By the way, happy 4th of July out there, That's everybody. Right. Happy 4th, everybody. Happy Independence Day. Um, so we both uh, took a, a well needed uh, kind of holiday break, if you will. Uh, and, and we're back. Uh, so that's great to see, of course. But check us out on Twitter because I updated everybody yesterday morning that there would be no pot out yesterday. And we uh, were going to record uh, this morning. Uh, as for the series, it could have been a sweep, Dave. It, it, it very well could have been a sweep, which I think tells you kind of how good the team is playing right now. Everything's clicking, hitting, pitching. Uh, the defense, I thought, has been pretty good as well. Uh, so, um, you know, anytime you can beat up uh, on a team in front of you, because I mean, when I look at it, the Phillies did beat up on the Cardinals, in my opinion. You know, the first game, you got the best of them. You were able to lead out, you know, a long kind of game. It was close. Cardinals scored first. With three runs. Uh, and then the second game, you battled back the whole way. You were down by five. We'll talk about that game and Kyle Gibson's horrendous performance. But you battled all the way back to lose in a heartbreaker. Uh, but then in, in Sunday Night Baseball, I thought the Phillies just absolutely dominated. So whenever you can, you know, beat the team that you're chasing in the wild card uh, in two games and really almost sweep them, uh, it's a significantly important, uh, important, and the Phillies need to keep it up in this upcoming series against the Nationals uh, because we truly know how bad the Washington Nationals really are. <laughs> right. And that's, that's, uh, I guess you could call that an understatement because we know how the Nationals are really good at making errors, especially, um, behind the plate, making that throw to first base, which I don't understand why they do, you know, and, um, the Nationals, I, I mean, they're, they're basically existing right now for the Phillies to come in and get another sweep or they exist for the Phillies to go in and win majority of the games and to really dominate the um the season record for the Nationals. So um, just looking at uh, St. Louis as well, Dave, I thought we had a pretty phenomenal uh, performance overall. The offense, like I said, clicking on all cylinders. Most of the hitters in the lineup getting the hits. I know uh, Kyle Schwarber after the first game has um, not, got, not gotten a hit. 
So that's something that, you know, we want to see in the next series versus the Nationals, whether he can get back on track. But overall, just great performance by the guys. You have a tough team like St. Louis, who is missing Tyler O'Neill right now. So you want to be able to go into this and take advantage. And that's pretty much what the Phillies did. So Dave, are we ready to get into the recap? Absolutely. Let's do it, buddy. All right, let's get it rolling. So to start us off, let's talk about game one, where Bailey Falter, the lefty for the Phillies, young lefty, goes up against Miles Michaelis, who was having a tremendous, tremendous season for the St. Louis Cardinals. And so top one, Nolan Arenado tripled on a fly ball, bouncing off of the top of the left center field wall, driving in a run from first base, and that would make it a one nothing game for the Cards. And top three, Nolan Arenado. Now, he's been a Philly killer throughout this series. He strikes again on a Bailey Falter slider, and that would go out as a two-run homer, and the Cards would go up three-zip early. And, well, that would be pretty much all the scoring for the Cardinals in the game. It would end early, uh, but the Phillies' offense, not the same. Bottom five with runners on first and third, Mickey Moniak doubled on a hanging curveball from Miles Michaelis, a mistake pitch indeed, driving in one runner. Uh, Phillies would still be down by two. And then uh, later on in the inning with runners now on second and third, Kyle Schwarber grounded over to the right side of the infield, advancing the runners a base and bringing in a run. Uh, the Cards would still lead by one at that point. And then with a runner on third, Reese Hoskins, he's been, he's been tremendous with the bat as of late. He hit a deep fly, bringing in the tying run. And yes, tied the game 3-3 three to three at that point. Then we go to the top of the six. Nick Nelson came in to pitch and delivered a high changeup in a full count to Nolan Arenado. Complete mistake pitch. And it got roped down the left field line for a double. And well... Arenado at that point was only a single away from the cycle. And so bottom six, Michael is still on the mound. Derek Hall to the plate and he hit a center cut changeup over the right field wall for a solo home run. And then that would give the Phils the lead four to three. And that would be Derek Hall's third home run in his last two games. So Derek Hall doing things for the Phillies early on in his career. Then we go to the bottom of the seventh. Reese Hoskins grooves a fastball from Johan Oviedo over the 387 sign in left center field for a solo shot. And that would make it a 5-3 ball game. Top eight, Nolan Arenado singled off of a Sir Anthony Dominguez fastball down the third baseline, bobbled by Veerling and completely airmailed. Uh, in my opinion, the play was rushed and that would be ruled a hit and Arenado would complete the cycle. And so that was his second career cycle, and he is the first Cardinal to do it since 2005. And I'm pretty sure we all saw the Arenado cycle uh, coming. He's been hot as of late and no exception versus the Phillies. Um, but after after Arenado, the bullpen would go on to shut down the Cardinals offense and 5-3 would be the finals or the final Phillies on top. And so the Cardinals would sit at 43 and 36 after that game, second in their respective division, while the Phillies at 41 and 37. <clears throat> Jose Alvarado with the win. He is now 2-1 and one with a 5.66 ERA. Michaelis with the loss, 5-6 and six with a 2.61. And Brad Hand, who's been pretty decent as of late, got his third save of the season, 
and he's his ERA sits at 2.22. And so, like we said, Arenado had a really great game, hit for the cycle, but Reese Hoskins, um, he was one for one with a home run, uh, two walks, two RBIs, and a run scored, and Paul Goldschmidt, who's been absolutely fire for the St. Louis Cardinals this season, went two for four with a double and two runs scored. So, um, two of the big bats for the Cardinals, Arenado and Goldschmidt, uh, had a really good night, but uh, past them, the uh, the offense for the Cardinals just couldn't get it going, and the Phils ended up coming out on top. Dave, uh, what do you take of this game? It was a great first game, great way to start the series, uh, but this was really great hitting by the Phillies. I thought they had great runners and scoring position success uh, on, what was it, Friday night now? Yeah. Um, and I, the big hit of the game for me was Mickey Moniak's double uh, to get the Phillies on the board. Mick, uh, Michaelis was going pretty well. Uh, until then, uh, Moniak got a good pitch hit. He got a fastball, which, hey, I'm not complaining. We all know that Moniak can hit the fastball. It's the curveball that causes them plenty of problems. Um, but Moniak, uh, hits it off the right field fence, gets runners in scoring position, uh, second and third with nobody out. And the Phillies just successfully get runners in. And, you know, that's what you paid Kyle Schwarber to do. He grounds out, gets, uh, Matt Vierling home. And then Reese Hoskins hits a sacrifice fly to Dylan Carlson. And, uh, that's able to score Mickey Moniak after, uh, you know, he reached via the double. And that tied it up for the Phillies 3-3, as you were saying, Dave. And, uh, they were able to, you know, add on with Derek Hall's first three hits being homers. Um, and Reese Hoskins with a big home run too late in this one. Get to give the Phillies some insurance, so that was great to see, of course. Uh, as for the pitching end of things, I thought Belly Falter was okay. Uh, you know, he's been having an amazing year in AAA. I believe his ERA is below two with the Iron Pigs. Um, so, you know, it's good to see that he's able to come up and provide, you know, some length to the starting rotation. But of course, I think the Phillies are going to have to do something. I mean, you know, when you look at the trade deadline, the bullpen has seemed to figure things out for the most part. Um, and I believe they're the eighth best bullpen right now in baseball in the last, what was it, two, three weeks, maybe even the last month. I'm being dead serious. So, uh, you know, they've been doing their job. The lineup uh, without Bryce Harper has seemed to, to find some things out, which has been nice to see with Schwarber and especially Hoskins. Um, and then, I mean, you also look at the defense, which I think has, has been improved. We've seen Alec Bohm take tremendous strides. Uh, I think that Rob Thompson has played the defensive matchups right, even in this one, and I think throughout the series. So, you know, you see with the defensive matchups that he's been, uh, you know, kind of putting out there and Rob Thompson, you know, have been good late games for the Phillies. They've been able to, to get some better guys out there with more speed and catching ability. And the only problem really has been the starting pitching. I mean, you lose Zach Eflin, who goes on the injury list. We'll talk about it in more depth in a little bit with Ranger Suarez going on the injury list before game three of the series. Uh, and, you know, the Phillies just can't afford any more injuries. They already had to call up Christopher Sanchez to pitch tonight on Tuesday night, the day we're recording this. So it's been crazy, but I thought the fal falter was good enough in this game for the Phillies going four innings of three-run baseball. Nick Nelson was amazing in this one. And, uh, you know, Nick Nelson, I think, has been a, a good pickup for the Phillies from the Yankees. Uh, he's had command issues at times, and that's still something that, you know, him and Caleb Cotham have to work on. But... Uh, I think that Nick Nelson uh, really can be a good piece in this bullpen for years to come. He has a really good fastball, a really good changeup, and, and I think that that combo in itself, uh, they're both plus pitches, and I think that if he can just command it, the Phillies are in, you know, in, in good shape. 
Alvarado was good. Bellotti was excellent. Dominguez was uh, excellent as well. And Brad Hand closed the job for the Phils. And they got the victory. So everything clicked overall. And I thought it was a great way to start the uh, the homestand for the Phils, uh, especially after coming back from that long road trip and trying to beat a team in front of you that you're chasing in the wild card chase. Right, Dave. And just like you um, brought up with the bullpen um, in the latter of what you said, uh, just talking about Nick Nelson, um, Jose Alvarado, Andrew Bellotti, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Brad Hand, and even if you want to throw Corey Knable into the mix, the, these are most of these guys struggled to begin the season, and now they seem to settle in and find something, which which is absolutely excellent, right? We went into this season thinking, you know, like you know, we might still need some pieces for the bullpen just because we know how much of, you know, a problem it's been. But it, it, because of the injuries that have happened to the starting rotation and the way that the bullpen's picked it up, it seems like our focus might be shifting towards some rotation depth. You know, just talking about Ranger Suarez getting thrown on the IL because of a lower back spasm issue and then Eflin, you know, not being able to stay healthy, which, well, let's be honest, that's Eflin for you. So, you know, it's it's good to know that we have um, a part of our pitching staff in our bullpen that's able to hold games down late in the game when really the Phillies need them to do that because we've seen it in the past how the Phillies have been up early and have lost the lead because of the bullpen. So having this part of the pitching staff be able to do what it's doing right now is super important for the Phillies, especially in this playoff run. So uh, moving on to game two, we had Kyle Gibson, the veteran righty for the Phillies, going versus Matthew Libertor, the rookie pitcher for the St. Louis Cards. And so going into the top of the first with a runner on, Nolan Arenado got the scoring started with a two-run shot off a Kyle Gibson curveball into the left field flower beds. And so Nolan Gorman uh, doing the same pretty much with a cutter down and in from Gibson for a solo shot. And then you had Juan Yepes up to the plate and Gibson delivered another curveball, which landed in a spot relatively close to Arenado's for a solo shot as well. And then finally, off of a center cut fastball, Dylan Carlson homered off of the player's stat sign in right field for a solo shot. And so we would have four consecutive home runs in that first inning. Obviously, uh, Kyle Gibson really having a lot of damage done to him early by this St. Louis offense. And, well, that would be the offense. Uh, after that half inning, the score would be 5 nothing. Cards lead. And so, uh, just a little fun fact, on August 16th of 2020, the White Sox did the same thing to the Cardinals with Yon Mancada, Yasmani Grandal, Jose Abreu, and Eloy Jimenez all hitting consecutive home runs. So I just thought that was funny. Wanted to add that in there uh, as well. But going bottom two with the Phils having scored a run and with runners on second and third, Bryson Stott singled the other way past the diving Arenado, bringing in a runner and the score would be 5-2 cards still on top. Going bottom three uh, with the Phils down by two with runners on first and third, Yairo Munoz tied the game with his second double of the game. And Yaro Munoz, uh, being a really young stud for the Phils, who's been uh, performing tremendously with uh, the bat and 
has been playing decently in terms of uh, his defense as well. But uh, the score would be tied 5-5 five to five at that instance. And then bottom six with runners on first and third, Castellanos cashes in on a slider from Junior Fernandez that gets roped into left field for an RBI single. So the offense just kept on chugging, kept on fighting back, and top nine. Nolan Arenado, the Philly killer, the Philly killer, as we said, he would put the cards ahead on a Sir Anthony Dominguez slider hit deep into the left field seats for a solo home run. And that would pretty much conclude the game. That would be Arenado's third home run in the series thus far. And the final would be Cardinals seven, Phillies six. And so Ryan Helsley Ended up picking up the win. He's been really good for the Cardinals this season. Uh, he is 4-1 and one with a 0.83 ERA. And Sir Anthony Dominguez, who's been another really good pitcher, um, especially, well, for the Phillies, he is 4-2 on the season with a 1.8 ERA. The Cardinals, after this game, sitting on 44 wins and 36 losses, while the Phillies at 41 wins and 38 losses. Arenado, like we said, had a really good game this time around, just like the first game, uh, just complete offensive dominance for Arenado. We know he's really good with the glove, but he's just been red hot with the bad as of late. And um, like we said, he, he was hot even before coming into the series, but versus the Phillies, it was absolutely no exception. Uh, he had two home runs um, in game two. Uh, he was hit by a pitch. He had three RBIs and two runs scored. So really good. Uh, Nolan Gorman, one for two with the home run and uh, Yairo Munoz for the Phillies, two for three with two doubles and two RBIs. So um, it, it was a game where the Phillies fought back on offense, but just weren't able to hold it down. A really unfortunate game, and um, but it was a winnable game. Um, it, it's just, you know, you, when you have a guy like Sir Anthony going up against Nolan Arenado, who's been hot, um, it, it becomes a difficult matchup. And it's one where you would like to um, tip your cap to Nolan because obviously he's going up against Sir Anthony, who's been really good for the Phillies. But it, it just turns out that Nolan is just the hot bat who came into Citizens Park ready to do damage. And that's just what happened. And the Phillies ended up losing this one 7-6. This game was, uh, this game? game was was tough uh, because the Phillies came back all that way uh, to make it a really close game and interesting uh, and, you know, to really end up in losing it. Uh, this game was also a long game. Let me see how, how long the duration was. Um, yeah, four hours of five minutes. This was no, you know, two and a half, three hour game. This is a long game. Um, the one thing I will say, you know, you could blame this game on a number of different people. You know, Kyle Gibson was awful. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez came up, gave up the home run, but, you know, he, he's been so good this year. Uh, and Ajubo Herrera, you could also blame because his at bat, at the end of the game was awful. And, you know, I know that Ryan, yeah, and, and you know, Ryan Helsley is an amazing yeah, pitcher. Yeah, like he Don't just get me wrong. <laughs> But Ryan Helsley was all over, all over the plate, uh, or I should say not on the plate, all over the uh, the, the ball area of, of the uh, strike zone. I, that doesn't make any sense, but everybody out there gets what I mean. He was not throwing strikes, Helsley, uh, when Herrera was at the dish. Um and for a Jubal to, to get up there and swing at the first two sliders that bounced before the plate uh, is ridiculous. And you can't do that. 
Um, I, I don't know what it is with Adubal. He said after the game that he was trying to be like this hero of some sort, which I mean, I get, you know, you're one swing away from walking off the game, but it was Adubal's job just to get on base there. And Helsley was already up past 30 pitches. Uh, he doesn't throw two innings many times. And in fact, he's only thrown this season. I mean, no, his ERA is like 0.5, but he's only thrown in back-to-back games one time this season. And the time he did, he gave up, uh, or I think he gave up the lead or blow, uh, blew the save. So really, a Jubal should have been up there with a better at bat. But this was kind of a combination of things. Uh, you know, like I said, Kyle Gibson was an issue. You can't give up four straight home runs uh, in, in the first inning and really expect your team to win. That's too far beyond, you know, the eight ball. Uh, but I'll give the Phillies credit. And I'll give Gibson credit to a certain extent because he stayed in the game and was able to get some outs uh, past that first inning. He was able to go four innings, which I thought was good enough for the Phillies in this one. Uh, and Corey Knable, I thought, did a good job to uh, to kind of stem the tide, if you will, uh, in relief of Kyle Gibson. Uh, and Knable, I think, has been taking some strides forward, which has been nice to see. Uh, Bilotti was good, too. Alvarado had two strikeouts. Uh, Brad Hand was okay, did walk a batter in two-thirds, but Dominguez was able to get out of that inning in the eighth. But then in the ninth, of course, did give, give up the home run to Arenado. Uh, and kind of going into the series, I think the Phillies' main thing was to not let Arenado or Goldschmidt hurt you. Uh, and the Phillies let that happen consistently. So... That's one thing you got to look at. But even with Arenado and Goldschmidt clicking on all cylinders uh, in the three games, the Phillies still being able to take two uh, throughout the three-game series. I know we'll talk about game three in a moment, but I I think that's good enough for this team. Uh, But yeah, game two is a heartbreaker, but I'm happy with the way they battle back. The 2021 Phillies, the 2020 Phillies would have just rolled over after giving up those those four runs in the first – or five runs in the first inning. Um you know, those four straight homers and just kind of said, oh, well, it, it is what it is. Um, but I think that uh, the Phillies were able to battle back and that that was very important in this game. I think not only for the confidence of this team, uh, but for the overall kind of, you know, um, motivation for kind of making up for, you know, Harper being on the injured list and then, ha- and then having some other key injuries. Right. And and so um just wanting to roll back a little bit and touch on Gibson. Um, you know, just him going four innings, we know what we're gonna get out of Gibson right now because Gibson's struggling, right? I mean, there's times where Gibson goes well and he could pitch seven, eight innings, but then there's times where um Gibson doesn't pitch um very well and he ends up giving up some runs and you know i mean just like you were t- saying dave with um not being able to keep goldie and arenado from uh swinging a hot bat i mean it's just what happens when you run into good teams right and so when you have um hitters like arenado and goldschmidt come up and do damage it, it, you know sometimes it's inevitable especially with the way that they're swinging the bat i mean um paul goldschmidt's going on to have a career year and nolan arenado is a guy who's normally a pretty good offensive player. Now you can argue that, um, you know, him spending most of his career in Coors Field kind of makes the difference seem, um, you know, a little bit bigger. But I do think that Arenado is, you know, a really great offensive talent aside from his elite defensive capabilities. And I think he's proving that to us, you know, so, um, you know, having, a team like the Cardinals do some damage in this game isn't the end all be all. We took games um, one and three in the series. So, you know, I I guess, I guess we'll let this one slide, but the bullpen um, nevertheless uh, did a pretty good job in this one, only allowing one earned run in that ninth inning. 
and really uh that that would be that would be pretty much it for the bullpen it's it's been good dave like we talk about and we really are being saved um in ball games because we're going to guys who can you know get the job done right now you know and that that's the thing that worries me too is that we have um rob thompson going to these guys um more because he realizes maybe you know this team has a fighting chance he sees us putting runs up on the board so he's going to run out you know Bellotti, alvarado hand dominguez which you know we saw in game one and then add cory canable to that list so that part worries me a little bit, running all those guys out back-to-back days, especially, you know, if you're going to try and go on to win game three and you want to use a few of those guys again. Well, majority of those guys were used in games one and two. So, you know, you need to make sure that those guys stay healthy, especially with uh, the injuries that have been happening to the Phillies over the past few weeks with um, Eflin and Suarez and, you know, Harper going down and just a ton of a ton of them overall. So want to make sure these guys are healthy and uh, ready to go. Um, I do agree with you with the the standpoint of, you know, you want to stop injuries from happening. Uh, we'll talk about Ranger Suarez in a second with, I think the main reason why he's on the injury list is because he was out there for way too many pitches last time out. But uh, what I will say is that the Phillies are in the position where they have to, without Harper, without Segura, without Eflin, without Suarez now, you have to win the games that you're in. And I know that Zach Wheeler was going in game three and know the Phillies did end up winning this game. But in my opinion, you can't look forward to that game and say, oh, well, we're going to pitch our absolute worst pitchers. You know, we're going to throw out. And I love Mark Capel. Look, he's been great. But he hasn't been in any high leverage situations yet. So if you're like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to use Dominguez again. So let's throw out Mark Capel. And then he gets lit up and gives up three runs, uh, you know, to the Cardinals, to Arenado. And they take the three-run lead and you lose that game. You're going to say, well, we never really would have known if we would have won that game because he didn't throw out our best pitchers. And then you go into game three and let's say Wheeler has a bad start. He had two bad, two not bad starts, but two eh starts. The one against the Braves and the one against the Rangers, where his command was pretty bad. So, you know, you're not sure what kind of Wheeler you're going to get. So, and look, I love Wheeler. You know, most of the time he's great. He's fantastic. I, I, you know, he's for sure a Cy Young candidate. It's been all the Phillies, you know, could have asked for. But you also have to say is, you know, things can happen, right? You know, there are bad nights for pitchers. So that's why I, I do agree with the fact with Rob Thompson running out his best pitchers in a game that the Phillies have a chance to win. Because if the Phillies would have won this game, it would have been one of their best games they would have won all year. To come back, to battle back, and to keep the Cardinals' offense where they were. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Dominguez gave up the home run, and, and so be it. But you ha- in my opinion, as long as guys are willing to go and, you know, it's not going to hurt them too, you know, at all, really, because Dominguez, uh, you know, he threw an inning the night before, and then I think went an inning in a third. So it's not, you know, awful. And I don't think he threw many pitches the night before on Friday night. So I think the Phillies were okay. Uh, but it's just the fact that, in my opinion, you know, Joe Girardi would have probably, you know, done, well, let's run Mark Capel and let's see what happens out there. But I think that Rob Thompson playing the strategy right and even using Sir Anthony Dominguez in the eighth inning, 
saying, look, Brad Hand, it was a dangerous at bat. Brad Hand just walked a batter. Let's go to Dominguez. That's huge steps because that's how teams make it to the playoffs and win in the playoffs is using your best pitchers in the top leverage situations. And Sir Anthony Dominguez, it deserves to be called on there. And I think it's the right decision. I don't blame Sir Anthony. I really don't blame Rob Thompson even in that decision. There were some other decisions in this game that I think Rob Thompson could have handled a little bit better. But I do like his bullpen management. And that's just kind of, you know, my personal view on it. Right, Dave. And I'm not going to say that um, anybody's wrong on the way that they think of the way that, you know, Rob Thompson's managing the bullpen. My only concern would be injuries, you know, and, and the way that guys have been getting injured recently. We can't afford for, you know, any other pitchers to go down. So being able to, you know, preserve, um, you know, some guys, if we had to use them in game three, you don't know. Um, but I do see, um, where you're coming from too when you have a guy like Matthew Liebertor, uh, going against Kyle Gibson in that game and having Adam Wainwright going in game three. Maybe Rob's mindset was, you know, we have Waino going tomorrow and we don't know what we're going to get out of Zach, like you said. So maybe we use our better guys in game two just in case we end up going on a landslide in game three, just because maybe he thought he had a better chance in game two. But you know what happens? Baseball's baseball, just like any other sport, anything can happen on any give, any given day. So um, I guess that brings us over to game three, where Zach Wheeler uh, went up against Adam Wainwright. And both Wheeler and Wainwright were cruising early, compiling scoreless inning after scoreless inning, and um, both pitchers doing tremendously well. And then bottom four, Reese Hoskins would allow for the Phils to strike first on a Wainwright cutter down Broadway that he hit a mile <clears throat> into the left field seats for a solo shot and the Phils would go up one nothing. And then bottom six after a double by uh, the hot Reese Hoskins. Cassianos dumped a single into left center field, bringing him around to score and here was the uh, here was the frustrating part. Castellanos and Paco Figueroa, Paco Figueroa got caught sleeping, and Castellanos misses out on an opportunity to advance to second base. And um, with a runner on first, JT sat back on a curveball inside from Wainwright and pulled it into the left field seats for a two run shot. So I guess it didn't matter that they were caught sleeping because he came around to score anyway. But um, yeah, that would make it four to nothing. Phils at that point, Wheeler. Had a tremendous performance. He pitched seven strong innings for the Phillies and the bullpen came in and was able to get the job done despite using most of our guys in games one and two. Um, we ended up using Nick Nelson and Corey Knable out of the bullpen in game three. They did a tremendous job and the final would be Phillies four, Cardinals nothing. And so aside from that, the Cardinals would be at 44 and 37 on the season. The Phillies at 42 and 38. Wheeler with the win at 7 and 4 and a 2.66 ERA. And Wayno getting the loss at 6 and 6 with a 3.26 ERA. And so, like I said, Wheeler having a tremendous performance. He got the win, seven innings pitch, four hits. No earned runs, five punchies. We got a really good Wheeler in game three. And JT had himself a really good game. It's nice to see him coming through with some offense, being uh, two for four with a home run, two RBIs, a run, and a stolen base. And Reese Hoskins, he's he's just been quite the story for the Phillies, being able to um, 
come in clutch with the bat, especially since Harper's went down. Uh, Reese has been one of those cogs in the big offensive machine for the Phillies. He went two for four with a home run, a double, an RBI, and two runs scored. So overall, just a great game by the Phillies. Um, the offense able to come through in the fourth and the sixth inning and the pitching on the other hand was able to completely blank the Cardinals Dave what do you take of the overall performance of the team and do you see this start for Zach Wheeler being sort of a a turning point from his struggles CBP was electric I was there uh, Sunday night it it was fantastic Uh, it was a sold out crowd 44,225 and uh, the team really fed off of it. So it was fantastic. Uh, you know, Zach Wheeler, he was excellent. You know, this was this was amazing, Zach Wheeler. And, you know, I, I don't think he's been struggling a whole lot. I know that I, I, you know, I talked about it earlier with how his previous two games, they weren't bad, but they were bad according to Zach Wheeler standards. You know what I mean? The way that we... Yeah, like, the only reason I bring up the word struggling is just because of us seeing the command issues, especially early on No, I get it, because I said it too. Uh, You know, uh, he passed two games, and he would probably tell you that too. His command was bad, uh, and he struggled at times uh, in the game, and I I think that's a fair assessment, Uh, but he was excellent uh, in this game against the Cardinals. Um, And, and, you know, we've heard about it. They talked about it on the ESPN broadcast. They talked about it a lot. You know, the Cardinals, they're injured. They're dealing with these injured players to their offense, but so are the Phillies. And, you know, I, I know the Cardinals are missing some some names, you know, Harrison Bader. Uh, I'm blanking on somebody else they're missing, but the Phillies are missing Bryce Tyler Harper. Tyler O'Neill, I believe. Tyler O'Neill, yeah. The Phillies are missing Bryce Harper. Uh, you know, and Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill are great players, uh, but they're not anywhere close to Bryce Harper. Um, and, you know, on top of that, the Phillies are missing other guys, too. You know, we talked about Ranger Suarez, who went on the injured list prior to this game, 15-day IL. I believe he, he can come back on the 15th, July 15th, uh, and Zach Eflin as well. And, you know, the Phillies have dealt with their fair share of injuries this year. Uh, you know, they've been using Derek Hall, uh, who was in, you know, the minor leagues just a few days ago, uh, you know, as their cleanup hitter. So, uh, the Phillies, though, were able to battle through injuries this series. Uh, Zach Wheeler was fantastic. Uh, as you said, Dave, Reese Hoskins is on a hot streak, which we love to see. Uh, he's crushing baseballs. He's been amazing against Wainwright. I think he had his, that was his third career home run off of Adam Wainwright, which was fantastic. Ramuto had a big home run, too. We've talked about how important it is for him to get back on track and you know, for him uh, to have this power surge once again, because that's really what the Phillies signed him to be, you know, is to come up in big moments and hit big home runs. He hasn't done much of that this year, but I thought this was a good start. Uh, And then, you know, he also had the big home run against the Padres, what, 10 days ago, something like that, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, So the Phillies, it was a really good game. Uh, Great job by uh, Zach Wheeler and the bullpen to shut up this Cardinals offense. Uh, And it was truly, truly a great way uh, to end the holiday weekend. No, David, and I would agree. I mean, anytime you go into versus a team, well, anytime, you know, you go to verse a team like the St. Louis Cardinals in general, whether they verse you at Citizens Bank or whether you go to St. Louis to, to verse a team like the St. Louis Cardinals, getting two out of three, being able to take games one and three, you know, it, it's super important. You know, any anytime you go into verse any of these teams that are super competitive, especially with the Phillies being the way that they are in this wild card push. It is imperative for them to be able to come in and get these games. And so that, that pretty much leaves them back in the wild card race by one game behind, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. So it'll be interesting to see if, um, the Phillies can go and knock them out and, 
Um, in the NL East, the Phillies are still eight games back. That seems to be the number that we just can't get down on is that dreaded eight game um, deficit behind the New York Mets, which let's be honest. I mean, they're going to be tough to catch, right? And we're going to need a lot of our guys to come back and be healthy. And we're going to need to have everybody hot to do that because we know how good the Mets are. We know how the Braves are and how great they've been uh, since, you know, their their colder start to this season. I mean, they, they've really picked it up. So I think um, the Phillies definitely have to look at that wild card and they, they definitely need to look at games where they're going to be versing teams that are also in that wild card push and be able to win versus those teams. And they need to go into this Washington National Series and they, and they need to win versus those type of teams because those are the type of teams that you have to beat up on. So we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to look at that and we're going to hopefully get those results from the Phillies in this upcoming series. And that pretty much leads me to that upcoming series, which starts tonight at 7.05 Eastern Standard Time, and that'll take place at the bank. And we'll have, um, let's see, I believe I'm a game in front for some reason. Let me check it out real quick. Okay, so here we have Paulo Espino, who is 0-1 on the season with a 2.80 ERA and 34 punchies. For some reason, he's doing very well for the Nationals. Uh, kudos to him, but um, can't really get much out of that since you're playing for the Nationals. Sorry to say it, but it's true. And then you have Christopher Sanchez, who's taking the place of, uh, I believe it's Ranger Suarez, who's on the aisle, like we've been talking about throughout the podcast. He's 0-1 with a 4.60 ERA and 15 punches on the season. He's played more of a bullpen role when he's been up with the uh, Major League Organization for the Phillies, but nevertheless, he will get the start as the um, young lefty for the Phillies, Dave. And so, um, aside from that, I just wanted to bring up some news real quick. It seems like we, we, the probability of missing Juan Soto in the series is very high because of his calf injury. Uh, I was hearing things about, um, Juan Soto, um, having a near miss or, um, actually missing, um, how do I say this in a way that, um, sounds well articulated? Probably isn't one. But Juan Soto missed um, a really major calf injury, which obviously is good for the Nationals. They want to they they don't want to see him go down on the IL. But it, like I said, it seems like the Phillies are going to miss Juan Soto in this series. Um, will they really miss him? I don't think so. But um, the Nationals right now are just they're they're ice cold, right? They're ice cold in the middle of summer. Who would have thought? Well, I think everybody. But uh, yeah, the Nats got swept by the Marlins who have actually won five straight. The Marlins have been the absolute opposite of the Nationals and the Marlins have been red hot. They've kind of worked their way into that wild card conversation a little bit with how great their pitching has been and I guess their their situational hitting and, you know, being able to get guys like um, Joey Wendell back and guys like that um, really make a difference for them. But having Sandy Alcantara having the Cy Young caliber year that he's having and um, having guys like Pablo Lopez and a few of your other younger pitchers really start to take their mold and dominate the way that we know the Nationals or the um, Marlins pitching to do, um, they're going to be a, a team to really um, keep an eye on. But um, nevertheless, Nats have been cold. Missing Soto um, is going to be huge for the Phillies to be able to come in and take advantage of these nationals. So Dave, what is your thought about, um, about the upcoming series versus the nationals? Do you have any predictions or, um, anything like that based on the series? 
Of course, there's always predictions, buddy. There is always predictions to be had here on the Warning Track Talk podcast. So from last week, uh, I said the Cardinals were going to uh, drop two or three to the Phils. I was right. I got that right. Uh, Players-wise, though, I was not so good. Uh, I picked Nick Castellanos. He was okay. Uh, during the Cardinals series. Uh, but Tommy Edmond was not very good at all uh, for the Cardinals, so that was disappointing. Uh, well, it was good for the Phillies because they didn't have to deal with his bat, but in terms of predictions-wise, um, it was not great. But I have some more predictions for everybody out there uh, for this national series. Philly sweep uh, is my my series prediction. Uh, you can't lose games to the Nationals. If they take two or three, I'll be fine with it. Uh, but uh, you really can't lose more than that. The Nationals are a team you have to beat up on. They're not good at all. Uh, they make little league uh, decisions, uh, like throwing the ball, uh, you know, all over the diamond, all over the field. Uh, their offense is not very good besides Josh Bell and Juan Soto. Uh, and Nelson Cruz has not really had the best of years either. Uh, so, you know, really you have to beat the Washington Nationals. They're a team you have to beat. There shouldn't be any excuses, even with Christopher Sanchez and Bailey Falter on the mound. Uh, you have to win these games. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say a sweep. As for my individual player predictions... Uh, for the Phillies, uh, I'm going to go with Reese Hoskins. Uh, he's on a hot streak again. Uh, maybe it's kind of an obvious guy to pick, but I think Reese is going to have a great series. He's all, he always hits Nationals pitching well. Uh, in fact, uh, he has a home run and three RBIs off Apollo Espino. He's pitching tonight. He has a 375 average off of Espino. Uh, and my pick for the Washington Nationals, I was going to take Juan Soto, but I know that he's out with the calf injury. So I'm going to take Josh Bell. I don't think there's too many guys to take in the Nationals lineup. Josh Bell always kills the Phillies, uh, always comes up a big home run. So I'm going to go Josh Bell for the Nationals, Reese Hoskins for the Phillies. Uh, but I say that the Phillies do sweep this series even with Christopher Sanchez and Bailey Falter on the mound. Right, Dave. And so I would have to agree with you. I do think that the Phillies have to go for this sweep, and I think that they accomplished that mission. Um, but aside from that, just individual player predictions, I believe um, the last time we did the pod um, before the series, I had picked Alec Bohm and Tommy Edmond for – um, the series versus St. Louis. And really, I mean, Alec Bohm has been a, a pretty good hitter for the Phillies all season. And he had a few hits in the series against St. Louis. But Tommy Edmond was just ice cold, couldn't really get anything going for the Cardinals offense. And so that's pretty much where it stood. But um, for this upcoming series versus the Nationals, I myself, just like you, Dave, picked Reese Hoskins. He's been red hot. I think uh, he should be able to take advantage of Nationals pitching. And um, I think he's going to do a heck of a job on them. And for the Nationals, I think Kiebert Ruiz is going to be a guy to watch with the bat because um, he's pretty much an offensive first catcher. He's been really good um, with the bat this year. And I think he's really starting to come around offensively. Uh, he's gotten a lot of um, a lot of hits as of late and he's just really swung the bat well. So I think he's going to be a young gun to really uh, watch in this series. But um, also, Aside from that, um, let, uh, let's talk a little bit about the um, trade deadline. So the trade deadline is less than a month away, Dave. It's August 2nd. I'm excited. I want to see what the Phillies do. But um, just real quick, what do you think is going to happen? Because it seems like our focus is sort of shifting from you know the bullpen to more towards the starting rotation. Do you think any sort of moves get made or any – you know what magnitude – of a move do you think it's made for this Phillies organization to sort of bandage a problem of pitching depth? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And I'm sure Dave Dombrowski has been thinking about it a lot. Uh, and John Middleton. Uh, it's tough to say the direction the Phillies go in right now because they need an outfielder. Uh, I, I really think that you cannot sustain a playoff run with Mickey Moniak and Aduba Herrera getting regular playing time. Uh, I like what Matt Vierling has done. I think he deserves to be part of the uh, part of the picture for the Phillies going forward. Uh, so I think you need an outfielder. Uh, you know, I think you do need a bullpen piece. Uh, a couple months ago, I, I probably would have said the Phillies are going to go after a big name bullpen piece, but I don't really think that's the case anymore. I just think they may get somebody who, you know, is kind of middle of the road, you know, a three and a half, you know, ERA or so and uh, see what they could do uh, with with maybe a little bit of a change in the bullpen. I don't know who they would necessarily send down. Uh, but I think the bullpen has done a decent job. I think the main area, though, is starting pitching. Um, and, you know, one thing you have to remember kind of about starting pitching is uh, it's so important, obviously, to get to the playoffs, right? If that's you're trying to make the wild card, you're trying to make the division, because right now the Phillies only have two really good, healthy pitchers in Aaron Ola and Zach Wheeler. And that's not sustainable, of course, for long-term success. So... You know, really, you need another starting pitcher there. Uh, but something else you have to keep in mind is you're probably saying, okay, well, you know, if we write the ship, you know, everything goes okay, you get Suarez back, you get Eflin back, and, you know, you use Bailey Falter and Christopher Sanchez in this, you know, bullpen role, long-term relief, what's the purpose of wasting a prospect or two, or maybe sometimes even three, to get, uh, a you know, a good name household starting pitcher? And the reason is because if you do make the playoffs – those guys can go into the bullpen, right? So you could see Ranger Suarez in the bullpen. You could see Zach Eflin in the bullpen, who, you know, we saw the success that Ranger Suarez has had out of the bullpen in his career. So that wouldn't exactly be an awful thing. Remember that rosters also expand in September. So that's why I think it would be a very good idea for the Phillies to chase a Frankie Montas. Now, they may have to give up a lot to get him, but you do have to realize that the Phillies do not have any close to the major leagues pitching depth in the near future. I know you have Micah Bell. I know you have Andrew Painter, but they are still in single A. Uh, so it's going to probably be at least another year for those guys to to get close to, to being in the big leagues, of course, if everything goes according to plan. So I don't think it would be a stupid idea for the Phillies to go out and make a trade with a team like the Oakland Athletics or with a team, uh, you know, that's willing to give up a good starting pitcher, maybe Luis Castillo with the Reds, although he has not been fantastic this year. But I wouldn't be afraid to give up a Logan Ohapi or, you know, a Raphael Marchand and, and, you know, maybe another couple other names, uh, players, I should say, to get a Frankie Montas or a Luis Castillo because I think the Phillies do need a veteran starting pitcher to kind of, you know, get everything down. And you also have to remember that Zach Eflin is most likely going to be leaving next year. So they'll need a starting pitcher anyway. Same thing with Kyle Gibson. Right. Um, the way I was looking at it, Dave, just because I think we need a guy who, um, you know, can write the ship and uh, hold things down a little bit, right? We're not talking ace caliber talent, but we're talking about um, somebody who can come in and pitch those innings, especially Dave, like you brought up a really important point. Um, Kyle Gibson is pretty much done after this year with the Phillies, unless, of course, they extend him, which I don't see that happening. He's getting older now. But, um, you know, I would really enjoy a trade for Tyler Maley 
of the Cincinnati Reds. And I know that he's had a really up and down year, more downs than ups. But I think when you have Maley going well, um, he's he's a guy that can, you know, he, he has a devastating changeup. Very good off-speed pitch. Um, when his fastball is working, is working well. And I think um, he'd be a really good acquisition for the Phillies, especially um, because, you know, if he can string together a few really good outings, he becomes a really important piece in this Phillies rotation. And because he's having, you know, a pretty off season, I don't think you're going to have to give away a ton of prospect capital to go and get him. So that doesn't really worry me too much. The other move that I was thinking about was an Ian Happ. Now, I know Happ would definitely cost you um, for the outfield because, you know, Ian Happ's having a great season. I'm not sure what his contract is looking like. Um, I'm not sure if he's in his last year. I have to uh, check that later. But um, overall, I love Ian Happ and I would love for him to come to Philly. I think he has a great skill set when it comes to the glove, his speed, his power. And he really did put it together last year in the second half for the Cubs. And really ever since, he's just been amazing. So um, it, it's going to be tough to say. Uh, I think Ben Attendee is a candidate as well. It's just, it's just really it comes down to what are the Phillies willing to give up to get uh, a player that <clears throat> has shown that he could perform at the major league level. And I think that's what it comes down to. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what um, the trade deadline brings and uh, what the Phillies decide to do. It'll be interesting. And really, we'll have to see how starting pitching for the Phillies within the organization sort of fares over the next few weeks, because we want to see if Eflin comes back and has some good starts and if he could stay healthy for a few starts and then being able to get Ranger Suarez back. And now Ranger was going pretty well before he went down. So I would expect to hopefully have him back. Um, now, I, from what I know, it's lower back spasms. So it's nothing that's super duper serious. So, you know, we'll look for Ranger to come back and hopefully be able to do what he's been doing as of recently. So it doesn't look like a dire situation right now. Now, if something else important goes down, obviously Dave and I will cover that. Um, but for right now, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's a really difficult situation to wrap your head around because we still need time to be able to work out whether or not the Phillies will really want to be able to jump on a starter. If, you know, like if this bullpen's going well and we still have the, the uh, depth in the starting rotation as an issue, I say, you know, go for go for a guy in the starting rotation like the Tyler Maley that I was talking about. Or, um, you know, like personally, I don't think the Phillies go after Frankie Montas because of the prospect return that um, Oakland would have to get. But I think he would be a great addition to the Phillies rotation. Obviously, I think that, um, you know, you go and add Frankie Montas to Ranger Suarez, Zach Wheeler, and Aaron, Aaron Nola. You have one of the top rotations in the majors that can go up against, you know, the Mets, the Brewers and teams like that. So um, it would be really interesting to see if that would be the case. And Dave, I love the point that you brought across with um, being able to push one of our starters into the bullpen. And I think even a long man role would serve good, you know, whether it's for a guy like Ranger Suarez or, you know, we haven't seen much of that from Zach Eflin. But if um, Zach Eflin and his injuries continue to be a problem, maybe you have to preserve him a little bit more and have him throw in more of a long man role, you know, 
a little bit more like maybe play him as you would a Nick Nelson and maybe that um, saves you a little bit. So we'll see what happens over these next few weeks. It will really be interesting as we come down close to that August 2nd trade deadline and hopefully the Phillies make some big moves, Dave. But um, anything else to add before we conclude things here? No, I, I mean, I think that, well, I do have a couple other things, uh, but not all that baseball related. Um, but yeah, so go Phillies, as always. Should be a great series starting tonight against the Nationals. Um, I also just wanted to say two other things. Uh, first off, I'll start with happy 4th of July again out there to everybody. Thank you to all those who are currently serving in our military or all those who have served in our military. Uh, And I also just did want to take a moment uh, to end the podcast uh, just to say that my thoughts and prayers go out to all those that were affected last night uh, on the shooting that happened on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway. Uh, Dave and I, we are both uh, proud Philadelphians and proud Americans. That's right. uh, But the scene continues to happen way too much, not only in America, uh, but in the world. uh, And it's devastating. Uh, And, you know, choose love, not hate. I uh, pray for the two police officers who were shot last night uh, and also for all those in the Highland Park shooting in Chicago. I was just uh, going to bring should... that up. Yeah, it's it's just it's happening everywhere and it really is. It's it's just devastating. Yes. And, and you know, we should be able to go uh, to see fireworks and go to concerts with our families uh, and go to the supermarket in certain instances without having to be worried uh, that our life may may be taken uh, before we come back home. So just wanted to, to say that out there to everybody. So choose love, not hate. Uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone affected, not only on a physical level, but also on an emotional uh, and mental level. It's uh, severely devastating. And I know just from watching it from my TV, uh, I was frightened uh, and devastated by the scenes and pictures that I saw Uh, And I'm sure that being there in person uh, was absolutely horrific. So I pray for all those affected. Uh, Go Phillies and uh, stay safe, everyone. Right. And for me, um, pretty much the same in the fact that, you know, a a lot of people are being affected by these different um, unfortunate circumstances that happen because, you know, because of guns and because people, you know, I I think it comes down to a lot of different things and I I don't want to go off into a tangent of, you know, different crimes and stuff like that. But it's definitely something that we have to pray about, um, you know, for for those who believe in prayer and those who believe in, you know, a greater good. I think it's good to be able to, you know, convey that through being positive to others and through just trying to love each other and, um, you know, be there when people need you to be there and to just be a community. I think that's what matters the most and I I would hope and I think that all of you would that listen to the Warning Track podcast would definitely reinforce that notion by being there for friends, being there for family and just know that Dave and I are here to supply the podcast. So, we're definitely going to be there for you all as well. But that yeah, – pre- oh, go the, ahead. The last, no, the last thing I'll just say is, uh, you know, be part of the difference. Uh, you know, make a change even if it's a small thing. Uh, you know, to help out others, whether that's, you know, just cleaning up, uh, you know, maybe your street or helping your neighbors of some sort if they're elderly. Uh, you know, just try to be part uh, of, of the change, you know, make a difference in the world for the better. Uh, and, you know, constantly think about how you can, uh, you know, improve yourself, uh, you know, not only on, you know, a mental way, but in a physical way, like I said, with, you know, helping others uh, and trying to, you know, love one another and take care of one another, uh, because it's it's severely important. And, you know, to put grudges behind you, 
uh, and move past them and forgive and forget. Uh, and, and really, you know, we live in a, in a city, city of brotherly love. So, and sisterly affection, I'll add that too, uh, of course, but just make sure to love one another and uh, hold your loved ones extra tight tonight. And, uh, so yeah, I think just wanted to bring that up to everybody because I think that it's important that, you know, we talk about baseball and we talk about sports because they are, you know, a great escape uh, for so many of us. Um, but I think uh, it's also important to reflect on some events that are even more important than baseball uh, and are more important than sports. Uh, so definitely something that I wanted to bring up. And uh, yeah, so my thoughts go out to everyone uh, today. The way I'm trying to think of it right now is, you know, even though we are in times of trials and tribulations, in the end, there is a time of triumph. And that's what we all need to look at. We all need to be optimistic, uh, even in these trying times. So hopefully, uh, we could do that. But looking past that for right now, um, if you want to check us out on any sort of podcast platform, we are pretty much on it from Apple Podcasts to Spotify and Google Podcasts. You know the drill for those that listen. Um, but um, also, for those that might not have listened in the beginning of the podcast or for people that skip through, which is totally fine. I get it. Sometimes uh, we run really long on the podcast and you want to be able to skip through it to uh, important points. Um, we have a Twitter. And um, yeah, our our tag for it, whatever you want to call it, is WTT underscore podcast. It's the Winning Track Talk podcast. So go and check us out on Twitter where we post a bunch of polls and different stuff like that. Um, but thank you all for the continuous support. Uh, we love doing this for you guys. And um, yeah, go Phils. Hopefully we could sweep this series versus the Nats. And uh, that'll pretty much conclude things on uh, the Warning Track Talk podcast. So thank you all for listening. This has been the Warning Track Talk podcast with your host, Dave and Dave. Dave.